0: Hey, 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 wonderful Wednesday. Great to see you. Welcome to the Cold Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Long Jr., CEO, that's Chief Energy Officer of LLJR Enterprises. Remember, the Cold Calling Podcast is powered by and hosted by my great friends at Monster Connect. Rawr! They're leveraging technology to deliver. Actual conversations for B2B sellers allowing you to connect with anywhere between eight to 12 decision makers. We all know I'm trying to find my phone. Oh, that 500 pound phone is eluding me. We all know that when we make calls, we want to speak to decision makers. Please check out and explore my friends over at Monster Connect. Well, hey, without further ado, I am honored to welcome today's guest all the way from across the pond in Germany. I'm honored, I'm grateful, I'm privileged, and so blessed to call this guest my friend. We actually got to meet in person. I got to put on my Durham Bulls hat. We got to meet in person a few months back as she joined me on my birthday. She got to hang out with the Long family as we celebrated the festivities of my birthday in mid-June. She's an experienced, Sales trainer and coach. She's got over 20, 20 plus years of experience in sales and sales leadership role. She's the founder of the small stuff, and there's nothing small about all the great things that she's got going on. It's an international sales training company. She's focused on sales training, employee motivation, and team building. Oh my goodness, I'm getting so excited. She's the author of the book, How to Sell Virtually selling and presenting in the post-pandemic world, which he wrote with Mr. Keith Roselle. She's a tennis enthusiast. Uh Uh-oh, watch out now. Yeah. And the accolades go on and on and on. But ultimately, she's an overall just amazing person, a great friend, and an outstanding coach and trainer and guide. Let's give a warm Cold calling podcast. Welcome to Miss Susie Matheson.
1: Hey there, Larry. Good to see you. So great to see you,
0: Susie. I'm doing great, but this brings back flashbacks. Great flashbacks with the Durham Bulls game. I don't know if I can say great flashbacks with the tennis racket because you put a whooping on me and I got a bone to pick. You recently made a post about letting your client win in tennis. Where was that treatment for me on June 15th? You, you beat my baha.
1: I know, I know. I should have let you win on your birthday as well. But I don't know. The competitive edge just came out. I just felt like I had to do my best. And it was prep for um, my match at the weekend, which I won. So it was worth the practice. So thank you for uh, hitting some balls around with me because it really helped me.
0: Oh, goodness. That was such a great memory. And I wouldn't have had it any other way. I don't want anyone taking it easy on me. You certainly worked me out. I think I'm still feeling it, the aches and pains <laughs> from that whooping you gave me. But it hurt so good. So great to see you. Susie, I like to kick off every episode with what I call the who, what, and why so it's the trifecta who are you what do you do and why do you do it
1: well the who's easy i'm susie matheson as you can probably tell i'm born uh, in the uk but i moved to germany 11 years ago uh and uh so i am the founder of the small stuff and uh, what we do is we help sales teams uh, predominantly in large organizations to get better at what they do in their sales jobs day to day. That can be SDRs doing the telephone conversations, making the calls to make the appointments, all the way through to the field sales reps, the account managers, um, the sales leaders, and, and sales directors as well, to help them best support their teams. Um, because we're passionate, and this is the why really, we're passionate about people and helping people do the best they can we all spend way too much time in our jobs to hate it. So we want to help salespeople do their best so they can feel great, earn their bonuses and feel like they've achieved something in their day. Um, And that's our whole goal is to really focus on the whole thing. So the person, their mindset, but also the skills that they need to get better as well. Uh, And we do it with passion. Um, We do it because we love people and we just want to help them as well. So that's kind of the the who, what, why in a few sentences.
0: Wow, that is awesome. And I just want to say thank you so much for joining, for being open to sharing your amazing knowledge, your amazing, amazing insights, and your amazing care to help people, specifically sales professionals. Now, I call this part spill the tea. And we're going to have a couple of spill the teas, but spill the tea number one. I want to know. The small stuff. Where where does that name come from?
1: Well, the first thing is I'm only five foot two. Everyone thinks when they meet me online, they think I'm much taller, and then I show up, and they're like, "Oh, you're really short." So there we go. That's the first thing. um So the small stuff. It's about focusing on the small things. So um, I believe, and we believe, at the small stuff, it's the small things that make the difference. Uh, And we view uh, our clients, the teams that we work with, as uh, as diamonds that just need to be a little bit polished. This is not about flipping somebody 180 and making them completely change the way they talk. It's not about making them kind of say things they don't feel comfortable with. It's about finding the groove that's gonna work for them so they can stay authentic and true to themselves whilst also performing. Because one thing we all know is that if you're not authentic, you can smell that BS a mile off. Uh, And it's the first thing that that happens. It turns people off. If you can't trust the person on the other end of the phone, opposite you in that meeting room or on a video call, then you're not going to get very far in the conversation. So it's about taking what you've got, figuring out what makes you good, and then working with it and polishing it to make it better. So that's why it's the small stuff. Because more often than not, it's tiny, tiny, tiny changes that people can make to really make improvements.
0: Wow. Now I need to know, you've been in business now since March of 2019. That's four years, right? I'm not great at math, but congratulations. What's been your biggest surprise from when you started to now? What what stands out as, wow, I did not realize this?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. I think what's been so pleasantly surprising is that the sales training community is just so helpful um i am friends with so many sales trainers sales coaches sales experts and theoretically we're all competing in this same world yet there's an enormous amount of amount of support out there amongst us um you know if one of us can't do a gig we've we call up the others we try and find troops who can take that on and help the client. so what I've really learned is that um, true passionate sales trainers there's lots out there which is great news for all clients who are looking for one because there's a lot of choice which is lovely um, but also that they really truly are there because they like helping people and so it's been really surprising to find that that it's not like in the sales world which I often find can be a bit dog eat dog Um, So that's been a really nice surprise from like, I guess, from the from the sales training point of view. Another really nice surprise has been the clients that I've been able to work with Um, when I started out. um, And actually, uh, my official company birthday is the third of October 2019. So yesterday, yeah, we turned four years old. Yeah, which is awesome super proud of that and after a year of not getting many gigs and just doing little bits and pieces here and there for 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 friends and connections um i was lucky enough to get asked if i'd be interested in working with deutsche Telekom over here in germany um and uh, one big surprise right um and uh what was really great was that um i as this tiny tiny fish i was on my own at the time Um, was accepted by this company and was well received and actually loved Uh, and I still work with Deutsche Telekom to this day um, helping their teams to develop and its programs have been different, the projects have been different, the people have been different. I've probably coached and trained over 250 uh, of their employees so um, it's so nice and honestly they're all great people. There's not been one single person I've come across there who I've Not liked, they've all just been lovely. So, um, yeah, that's been a really nice surprise um, as well. But going from kind of like nothing to this really good chunk of business uh, and working with a client who I just love working with as well. So, there's another one.
0: Oh, goodness. I appreciate (laughs) you sharing that. And I can tell that you just love serving, supporting, and giving. And in the spirit of transparency, I've been the recipient of that. I want to give you your flowers right now, Susie, and say thank you so much. We've had uh, the opportunity to mastermind, to check in on each other periodically, and that's meant so much, to be able to share notes, to get guidance, get an outside perspective, and just know that someone is there to support. I'm curious from your side, what's been the power of masterminding with that sales training community what have you found in that supportive ecosystem
1: well you and i vaguely met via clubhouse right so for those who remember it clubhouse was launched in kind of end of 2020 early 2021 when we were all kind of in our houses locked down to a certain extent we didn't have all that much to do or rather the you know the chats weren't happening as they would have usually done and for us people who love to hang around in groups and meet new people and network. That was really tough. So Clubhouse was a great uh, invention uh, at the time. And uh, one of the rooms that I used to hang out in a lot was a Clubhouse room, which was called Sales and Selling Daily, which was hosted by my podcast teammates now, which didn't know them at the time, Chris Dawson and Leon McCowan. Uh, And that for me was a gift. It was just the best gift I could have had, because not only was I a little bit lonely, i just moved to a new area, didn't know that many people, but I learned so much. People like you, Larry, would come up on stage and give some advice. There was other people, If I mentioned people like Catherine Brown, Margot Waldie, um, uh, John Clisham. There was so many different people who would come up on stage and just share the knowledge that they gained. And I stole it all. I mean, I just took it all in, sucked it all in, and then use that and have been able to use that in some of my sales trainings or coachings or conversations that I've been having um, in since then and be able to pass that on. And that's just been a massive gift for me. And I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity.
0: Oh, that is awesome. That is absolutely awesome. Now, I need you to spill the tea part two here. Uh-huh. Where did your love of tennis? Where does that <laughs> come from? And I'm going to stack. I know in sales you're not supposed to stack questions, but hey, I'm a rebel without a cause. Where did your love for tennis come from and what are some of the parallels that you see between tennis and this game that we call sales as well as cold calling? Can you hear me now?
1: Wow, great question, Stack. I will take it. So, um passion for tennis I was lucky enough to grow up with a tennis club behind my bedroom window. So our garden backed onto a tennis club. So as a child, I would go to bed or to sleep to the sound of tennis balls being hit behind me. So I think it's just something that takes me home. Um, And that's probably why I've always had a passion. My parents, uh, they liked to play tennis. They weren't very good. They liked to play it. Um, we used to pretend to be ball boys and girls, you know, and stand there holding the balls up and chase after them. Um, I mean, they were on to a great thing with us kids. And at some point we got to play as well. Uh, and I did that a little bit in, as a teenager. Um, one of the highlights was being able to go to Wimbledon as a teenager with my dad and spend the day there and watching some great matches on Centre Court back then. I remember seeing Andy Roddick, the US star at the time. And his serve was just phenomenal. I would still am blown away by that, seeing it up close and how fast it really goes. And I know there's people now who will smash his serve into smithereens, but back then it was really impressive. So there's always been that passion uh, for tennis in Wimbledon. Um, And in 2004, I was lucky enough to get a job selling programs at Wimbledon for the two whole weeks. And it was the best job I've ever had basically you stand in a box and sell programs to really nice people all day you get paid 60 pounds great british pounds per day which is probably about 80 dollars a day cash and then you get to when you have your breaks you get to go into center court or court one or any court you want and go and watch the matches for free so i mean what else can you want as an early 20s you know i just graduated from university. Um, that was also amazing. So I've always had this passion for tennis and I kind of lost it as in my early adults, um, adulthood. So between 20 and 40, didn't really do much. And then just before I turned 40, um, we had lockdown. I realised I lived right next to a tennis court where I'd just moved to. So I went and asked if I could do some uh, training, take some lessons, picked it all up again, Uh, started off with my racket that was 20 years old um and just got a passion for the game again so um slowly learned about um the skills the things you need to to do but also started to play competitively so uh within a year i was entering competitions and just trying and doing all right so um yeah it's certainly a passion of mine uh, and i love it and uh joined a team and we we've gone up in the league. So the last two seasons in the summer, we have gone up a league. So we've gone from what's called in German Kreisliga to uh, Bezirksliga 2 and now we're in Bezirksliga one. Um, so we celebrated last Tuesday uh, with a few uh, glasses of champagne to, uh, to for on our achievements. The team of eight girls, um, we we did it. So we're very proud of ourselves at the moment, feeling quite smug.
0: cheers to that and congratulations i appreciate that background now i hate to go off on a tangent but i'm gonna go there you talked about having an amazing job at wimbledon but i want you to tell our listeners our viewers you're quite the celebrity don't think that i forgot you've been a celebrity on tv selling something on yeah i see you but yeah do tell (laughs)
1: well we also should go back to the parallels between tennis and sales so we'll go back to that in a minute but um one of my proudest achievements is that um I am British I'm I've got British parents but I chose to learn the German language and when I was uh, and I studied it at university in England when I graduated I moved to Dusseldorf in 2004 and took up a marketing job with a company well the company was ICI and the product or the, the brand I was selling was in German called Motofill, but in uh, in the UK, it's known as polyfiller or polycell. I don't know if the US has got, yeah, is it the same? Yeah. So it's the it's the stuff that you fill the holes in your wall in before you paint it. Um, and uh, polyfiller had come up with this new product, which was an anti-slip floor paint. So you put it in your shower or your bath and you don't need a bath mat. It's a bit more hygienic. Um, and uh, I came up with the idea. I was like, look, this is quite a, a product that needs explaining i think this would be a great product for qvc and my boss at the time went yeah okay go on then go and get it on qvc try and get it sold on there so i did and i got it listed on qvc and then they went right well we need a presenter um and i was i just thought to myself well it's not going to be me i'm foreign they're not going to pick me uh, And my boss went no no no. you go you go and try out and uh, so i did Um, And uh, as I was doing my screen test, they do like a whole day of training with you and doing the screen test. And I did mine. And the the actor that was teaching us, he just looked at me and went, born for the television. That's exactly how you should do it, people uh, in German. (laughs) I know I just gave him a really good British accent there. Um, And uh, yeah, and that was it. That was the beginning and end of my TV career. So on uh, I think it was the 15th of May 2005. On a Sunday at 5 p.m., I stood there live in front of apparently 5 million watchers and sold 50 packets of anti-slip floor paint, which sadly wasn't enough to uh, continue my career with QVC, but it was a super experience and one I was proud of because I did it all in German. So, um, yeah, there you go. You shoehorned that one in. (laughs)
0: Uh, uh, Honored to have a celebrity. We're not worthy. (laughs) Now, you're absolutely correct. We're going to back it up and reverse it. We're going to flip it and reverse it. The parallels between tennis, sales, and cold calling.
1: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's so many, and I never really realized it. But first of all, head, mindset, right? It's so important. How you go onto the court, how you step onto that court can affect everything about the game. You have probably decided before you step onto the court whether you're going to win or lose. And I think that's exactly the same when you're making a cold call. How many of us have said, oh, yeah, but it's, it's four o'clock on a Friday. No one's going to answer the phone now. Or we've gone, yeah, this is the eighth time I've tried to get hold of them. They're not going to answer. Or we say, yeah, but they're this type of organization. They're not going to be interested in what I'm selling. You know, all of this is stuff that we're telling ourselves before we've even made the call, before we've even picked up. The phone at our end this is stupid we should all stop doing this you know let's go on to the court with an expectation that we're going to do well let's go on or go into that conversation with an expectation that they're going to answer the phone i coach a lot of live cold calls so i i sit next to people when they're making phone calls the number of times they're surprised that someone answers I mean, this is something that we can change right If we go in with a mindset that they're going to answer we're going to get further in the conversation that's going to help us so that's one of the first things I think. That I learned very quickly was you decide whether you're going to succeed or fail another thing i've seen is the importance of practice so it's no good i mean sure you can just go and compete in tournaments all the time that is a kind of practice but if you're not working on your ground strokes if you're not working on your volleys if you're not working on your serves in between and practicing them like a muscle it's going to be really hard to bring up those skills when you're in a match situation so here's an example yesterday i played in a tournament and i played in my opinion awfully i didn't bring out my best tennis I didn't use my best ground strokes. I was incredibly weak in the way I was was playing. It came to a uh, um, a championship tie break and I just lost 8-10 in that. So it was an incredibly close match. But I couldn't pull up all of that stuff I'd learned in training. I wasn't able to. So muscle memory is so important. Next to me on the court were four ladies who I see on the court every single day. Every single day with their ball machine, playing and doing the same ground strokes over and over and over and over and over again. Forehands, backhands, volleys, slices, hundreds of times. They are on the court for two to three hours and they're practicing, practicing, practicing. And guess what? One of them had their match today in the tournament and she smashed it. Six love, six love. Absolutely smashed it. Because she can recall, she can bring back that muscle memory so that even when she's stressed and nervous, it doesn't all go to pop. Sure, she doesn't play her best tennis in a match situation, who does? But she can bring back those basics. Um, And so that's really important as well as the practice. What does that look like? What does that look like in a cold calling situation? Role play. It can be recording your calls. It can be writing down scripts. Reminders to yourselves there's no right or wrong but it's about practicing them one of the things that larry you and i are involved in is objection handling coaching but lightning fast right so you get there's this there's this, this really cool thing the, the wheel of objection right and you spin it it's like an electronic thing on a digital thing you click it and it brings up an objection you've got to respond to it immediately you know so it's yeah we haven't got it in our budget or it's not we haven't budgeted for this Right, how are you gonna respond to that? Practice that, practice that pause, practice acknowledging what they're saying and practice that digging question to find out more about why they're saying it. You know, these are things that we can use and practice uh, and and put into our muscle memory so that when somebody kind of puts a blocker up, we're like, great, bring it on. I've got the response for that one. So there's just a couple of parallels. I can talk about more, I can talk about it all the time, but yeah, a couple of parallels there for you.
0: Uh, I love it. And we're going to have to come back to a part two, but I love how you talked about the mindset, having that expectation of doing well, that expectation that someone's going to pick up the phone. And I think Allen Iverson, who's a former NBA player, played basketball here in the States. He talks about it just like you. We're talking about practice. Yes, we're talking about practice. I absolutely love it. Now, Susie, you You mentioned that you observe, that you get to witness uh, sellers and, and see what they're doing. I'm curious, what's the most common mistake or opportunity area for improvement that you see from sales professionals?
1: It really depends on the role. Okay, so I think let's take an SDR role and let's take an SDR role where it's about appointment setting. So you're kind of doing that initial call, you're getting some interest And then you're establishing whether there's enough uh, of a match for the two of you to then go into a a meeting maybe with the account manager or or to a discovery call. Um, So there's a few things that I see that go on. And the first thing is people are too quick to move to a different medium rather than the phone. So I believe in a mixture. I believe in a mixture of telephone calls, of uh, messaging, whether that's direct messaging over a platform, whether that's SMSs, WhatsApps. That doesn't really matter nowadays, I don't think. Uh, but also emails, LinkedIn as a platform. I believe in that kind of combination. I also believe that leaving voicemails is very important. I know I'm not on the same side as everybody there, but I'm a voicemail lever, uh, and I believe that's that's really important. Um, so you see that you see that going on. You see you see people kind of like avoiding picking up the phone. So one of the tips I would give to people there is actually, you can get a lot done on the phone, even if you don't get through to the decision maker. If you're at the reception, there's plenty of information you can get from them. You can ask for a direct number. You can even ask for a mobile number. You can ask for a time when they're more likely to be available. You can ask for an email address, right, depending on what information you've got, etc. You can also ask for tips as to how you can get hold of them, what would be the best way to communicate with them. So there's different things you can do using a phone that you haven't got the option to do when you move to written communication. So that's one of the first things I would say that I see people um, not utilizing enough is actually using the voice and the, the, the human communication tool that we all have. Um, Shall I go on?
0: I'm, I'm curious because that was yeah. so good. Moving on from <laughs> the phones. Give me one more because this is good stuff.
1: So let's go back to the mindset one, right? That's the one about why are you making this call? Okay, so yes, it's your job to call a list of people. We're not going to pretend that isn't the job, but is your job to say you've called the list of people or is your job to have breakthroughs with some of those people on the list? And I think that's another thing is you're not, you are paid to be on the phone to make those phone calls, but you're actually paid to proceed uh, or bring that conversation along. So don't look at it as a tick box exercise. Look at it as an opportunity to play detective. It's your job to find out more. And it's equally as important to find out who is not a match as it is to find out who is a match. So if you can do that, in your conversations, in your fact-finding, in your using the, uh, the the receptionist or the assistant or the colleague to give you more information that helps you build a better picture, that's brilliant. So stop seeing your list in your CRM tool or your list on that Excel spreadsheet as a list you've got to get through. See it as an opportunity to find out more on Play Detective.
0: Ooh, I love that. Uh, call reluctance, as well as mindset and perspective around what your job is really supposed to be. Now, Susie, you uh, have have uh, have so much experience working with sales professionals. I want to hear what's your most memorable success story of someone that you've seen really go from A to Z. I think they call it. That's really seen some great progress working with you through your training
1: let's talk about Damien. So Damien was one of the last people that I was able to manage. So he was one of the last people that I managed as a when I was a sales leader um, for an American company. And Damien was, um, he was all right, he was performing at 75%. So field rep, um, pretty sure of himself. Uh, he was a very confident guy. Um, he's now a good friend of mine. Um, and back then he, he was a little bit wary, you know, new manager doesn't really know much about it. Um, and slowly I was able to work with him. We did co- face-to-face coaching. So I would go with him. I would sit in the car with him and I would go and I would um, listen to the, 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 meet, excuse me, the meetings that he had. It, back then we had to make 12 calls a day, 12 physical calls a day to, to workshops, uh, car, car garages and, and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, I was able to slowly build his trust. That's the first thing I think that's so important when you're training somebody is you've got to earn the trust. Uh, of the person you're working with and help him realize that there were different ways uh, of approaching things or doing things that can help him be even more efficient Uh, Damien had a great pitch he was really confident in front of customers he didn't take no for an answer but by working on some of those kind of extra things like looking at efficiencies you know how could he be more efficient with his communication how could he use pauses for example to get people to decide Damien went from performing at 75%, performing at 125% of quota. And he was regularly over that and was pretty much every year since then, uh, man of the match, or as we used to call it, top salesperson of the year. Um, so Damien, I think, two or three times got to go to a European city of his choice as a you know a, a prize for being the top sales rep in Europe. Um, and uh, it was down to him. It was down to him and the hard work he put in. But I would like to say that I had a lot of uh, guidance from the sidelines and helping him get there and and showing him the support. So he's probably one of my biggest success stories. He went on to become uh, a manager of the field sales teams as well. So he really managed to get promoted through the company as well. So he did did great.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Damien, doing big things. Thanks to your support, your guidance your tutelage, lifting him up, new perspectives, that's amazing. Now, quick, quick tactical question for you. If I'm a cold caller, any suggestions that you have in terms of how should I approach the first 30, let's say 15 to 30 seconds of a cold call, anything that you can give me where I can have greater impact and greater success?
1: Smile, slow down, listen
0: one more time for the folks in the back
1: all right so smile go in happy go in glad that you are doing this job and glad that you're making the phone call slow down my rule is as soon as you get somebody on the phone give yourself permission to take as long as you need with that person they are your focus they are the most important person and they are your pure uh point of interest until that phone call stops so that's the slow down and listen what are they saying what are they saying with their words what are they saying with their tone of voice with things that are going on around them do you believe them are they fobbing you off are they happy are they sad are they rushed are they chilled? And react according to how they are, and then start to listen to what they're saying and show them that you're listening. That's way more than 30 seconds in there by then.
0: Oh, I Ooh. like that. Listen, slow down. Oh, that's a big problem I have. And smile. That's one of my specialties right there. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> but now, Susie, it sounds like you have such a heart felt just a heart prospect centric approach. I'm curious, we've heard this word empathy. From your perspective, what role does empathy play within the sales process, but specifically when we're making cold calls?
1: So for me, empathy is the ability to be able to imagine what it's like in these shoes of the person that you're currently communicating with. That's for me kind of empathy in, in a nutshell. So what does that mean when you're making a a cold call is imagining what's going on on their side of the phone they've probably been interrupted they were probably in the middle of working out a spreadsheet or having a conversation with a colleague or thinking about when they're going to go on their lunch they were not sitting by the phone waiting for you to call uh, and, and ask them if they wanted to buy something so just having that appreciation for the role that they're in at that moment can really help you to react properly. Some people uh, react then abruptly, right? They're a bit rude, they're a bit short. Others take their time to figure out who it is. They want to know who they've got on the other end of the phone because they need to build that trust first. So listen for those clues and react accordingly. So um, that's really how I think you can show empathy at the beginning of a call. And another thing you can do is think about the role of a person you're calling. I work a lot in SAS, in tech, so we tend to call the CISOs, the C- CIOs, the IT managers, IT directors, CTOs, CDOs, all of these Cs. Um, we tend to call people who are, first of all, going to be busy. If they've got a C in front of their name, they're definitely not sitting around waiting for your phone call. Um, and secondly, they have a job to do if you can figure out what their job is that they're trying to do and how you can help them with that that's going to help you start to empathize with what their focus is going to be and where they might what topics what what uh, themes might be the ones that you want to touch upon to help them that's when they're going to get interested so it's about empathy and thinking about putting yourself in their shoes and what might be going on in their world
0: oh that's such an amazing approach such a truly amazing perspective. I, I can see clearly now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, Susie, you're an author. The book, How to Sell Virtually, selling and presenting in the post-pandemic world. Congratulations. So I've got thank two you, questions man. for you. I'm, uh, you can just call me Stackalophagus. I wanna know, in addition to your book, are there any other books or resources or podcasts that you would recommend for sellers, especially cold callers? And then the second question, how has the rise of remote work affected sales strategies and cold calling? I doubled up there. Let's see if we can hit both of them. Any recommendations on other books and resources, podcasts, other than the cold calling podcast that you recommend?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Other than the cold calling podcast. Um, So Chris, Leon and I do a podcast which is called This Week in Sales. Um, And the whole goal there is that we talk about a weekly like topical stuff that's been posted about sales by sales, influencers, leaders, thought leaders, and we have a conversation about it and we try and make it tactical. So we've just recorded this week's um, episode as well. uh, Well, we talked about uh, what we talk about. Let's not feature dump. You know let's not like throw up show up and throw up let's learn how to ask questions to place uh, our product later on in the conversation and how we can do that so that was something that we talked about for example so i think that's really fun i mean obviously i do that one, so that's a really cool one um there's there's tons of resources out there um i love this is one that you've probably not heard i love the hubspot sales newsletter So HubSpot is a CRM tool that lots of people use, uh, and they have a free newsletter that you can subscribe to, which gives you statistics and tips around all things to do with sales. And I found that when I was starting out as a sales leader, um, trying to lead a team that there was tons of helpful information in there to give some small tactical tips around selling. Um, So they're my two recommendations. Uh, I think I'll, I'll stop there with those. Um, And then the the second question was about remote selling. So you asked, how has the world changed? Well, um, I think the world's got normal again, right? It's so normal to sit on a screen and chat to people. Um, And that's nice because it means we're more efficient. It means that we can have a great conversation, build great relationships and friendships and and customer relationships as well through a screen. Well, we were probably scared to do that a few years ago. How's that change? Well, it means that you can be more efficient with your time. So you can make a decision. Should I go out and see this person if you're a field salesperson? Or could I be doing this as a a video call? Um, But also it means that you're able to reach more people. So um, in the book, we write about a company based in Berlin um, who were predominantly a field sales organization. Um, And of course, when the pandemic hit, they had to take everybody off the road and they had to switch to telephone sales or virtual selling. And that company experienced, uh, I think it was a threefold uplift in in sales and revenue uh, because people were reaching more clients, more prospects on a day-to-day basis. So they found that for them, it was a far more efficient model. So much so that sadly, and I say sadly because I can imagine being the field reps, they stopped dishing out company cars and they moved everybody to a sales role that was uh, remote-based, saving a lot of money for the company, of course, as well. Um, but it's just an example of how you can really use efficiency to your benefits, um, because nowadays we can we can communicate well over video. Um, there's tons of tips I could give about video calling and, and virtual selling, but we'll have to save that for the second part of this.
0: Oh, no doubt. And just the observation, Susie, your storytelling skills are amazing. Uh, you shared the story about Damien. You just shared the example and story of the company of the company gaining efficiencies. We just recently had Wendy Woohoo Harris, who's the queen of conversation. She was on episode number eight. I'm curious, from your perspective, what role does storytelling play in the success of being a successful sales professional?
1: As much as we don't want to admit it, we all buy emotionally and we back it up rationally. So storytelling helps us to appeal to the emotional side of the the listener, the person receiving the message. In a story, if you can tell it right, the person can imagine themselves there with you. They can imagine how you're feeling or the person's feeling that you're talking about. They can build pictures in their minds and it will help them to remember more more than if you just give them a whole load of facts and figures on a spreadsheet or on a PowerPoint. So if you can master the art of telling stories well, that should help you connect, connect with your prospects, connect with your clients, connect with your colleagues, so that you're memorable, and that they'll be able to tell your stories moving on. So that's just a little kind of little bit about storytelling there. I, I won't go into too much detail. Again, it'll be another, it'll be another podcast, Larry, you know, I need to come back, I need to come back for more. (laughs)
0: I love it. I love it. I need to tap into the keys to your success. Now, as a sales trainer and running a sales company, how do you, Susie Matt, stay updated with the latest trends, the latest techniques, what's going on in the industry and in the field? How do you stay up to date with it all?
1: Oh, it's tough. There's so much uh, information out there. Um, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, I think there's a load of great stuff on LinkedIn, lots of other sales trainers sharing their tips and knowledge. Um, I also uh, spend a lot of time networking. So speaking to other sales trainers, coaches, people in sales positions, finding out what they're doing. Um, I learn a hell of a lot from my uh, coaches and trainees, from the people in the room. There's not one single training session that I've done where I haven't come out having learned something too. Whether that's a link to a new blog, whether that's a new technique or style that I hadn't heard of before, whether it's a book recommendation, a podcast re- recommendation, put my teeth back in. Um, it, I always am learning, and I think that's you know so so important. Um, I'm not old; we're not old, right? Early forties, but we can s- learn so much from the people who are twenty years younger than us, just starting out in their sales careers. Um, and so it's just absorbing, asking questions and keeping those ears open and listening. So yeah, that's kind of how I learn: is, is conversation and, and exchanging of information.
0: Wow, I love it. And just a funny small world story. Uh, we had to get a substitute in for one of our past episodes, episode number seven. And Mr. Chris James raised his hands and I was telling Chris about how great you are. And he was like, ah, oh, Susie came to my train the trainer program. I said, hold up, wait a minute, I remember, I know you, and I didn't even realize I knew you, Chris, because Susie shared some insights, some learnings, not just from the connection she made, but from the learnings that she made at that training. So, such a small world.
1: It absolutely is, and I still use the diamond exercise that he taught me, when was that, it was back in October, 2021, I think that we did that um, in London. And uh, yeah, he taught us a lot of exercises that you can do in a face-to-face environment, which can really help learners interact and and process the information differently. And uh, I used the diamond technique a couple of weeks ago in a team building uh, with telecom. So yeah, still using it. He gave us some great advice.
0: That's only fitting being that Uh, At the small stuff, you are polishing those precious gems. The diamond exercise, (laughs) can't wait to hear from it. Well, as we wrap up, I'm curious about the future. What do you feel is happening in the world of technology, Uh, specifically, I Am Robot AI, and the impact that it's going to have on not just sales professionals, but also the sales training. What are your thoughts there as we look into the future?
1: I'm super excited about AI. Um, I think that there's going to be a really great hybrid model. There already is hybrid out there. Um, So specifically in training, uh, sorry, in in sales, first of all, I think what it's going to do is it's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. So if you want to succeed in sales and be one of the top performers, you're gonna have to learn how to get on with AI and then use your personal skills to really enhance that. Because lots of people do buy online, they go on Amazon, they don't need to deal with a person, sure, I get it, but in a B2B world where you're spending thousands or millions on a new piece of tech, you're still gonna want to talk to somebody. And so it's about timing, getting your timing right to join that conversation uh, at the right time. And then it's about knowing how to take that conversation further being a human so that's i believe it's still going to be a hybrid um, solution with regards regards to training um, we at the small stuff have actually just invested in uh, an e-learning platform called a lego which has got ai technology so what that means is that you can we were talking about practice earlier you can go on the uh, platform and you can practice with a bot with an ai bot who will respond according to your industry the style of person you're speaking to, are they a CIO, are they an IT manager, Um, and you can practice then with a bot who looks like you or I, moves a little bit robotically, um, and and gives you a conversation, Um, and that's something that I think is going to be really great, so we're going to have a combination, I think, of live training where you get that person-to-person interaction, whether that's virtual or in the same room as each other, discussions, facilitating exercises that I just talked about, um, combined with practice offline or asynchronous practice and feedback um, to really help you up your game. So I really truly believe that AI is exciting. I think it's going to enhance this world. Uh, And as I said, I do believe it's going to separate those top performers, both in sales training and sales performance from those who are just kind of moderate to good. So um, yeah, that's my kind of response on AI.
0: Very, oh, kind. I can feel that excitement. And for all of our listeners, everyone tuning in, please take a look, scrolling across the bottom, connect with Susie on LinkedIn, check out the Small Stuff website. Speaking of excitement, I heard a little birdie told me that you're heading somewhere exciting. I know, I know, you can't tell us why. That's top secret. But where <laughs> are you heading?
1: I'm off to Saudi Arabia on Saturday uh, to Riyadh for um, my first train training session with a new client face to face. Yeah, so uh, SaaS uh, sales. I'm really excited about it um and yeah i um, never been there so very excited about it got my abaya ready to to pop on when I get there um and uh, yeah learning a new culture getting to know how they operate over there so can't wait to see you all
0: <laughs> wow Susie I can't wait to hear all about that trip I think it was last year you went to South Africa was that right
1: that's right yeah to Cape Town yeah for a week doing storytelling training yeah
0: Wow. Storytelling, story selling. And I still remember it was one of my memorable, really just uh, just great experiences, signature experiences of this year was when you came to visit the U.S. And uh, that trip just meant so much. Just a great memory. I can't tell you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you enough. In closing, what's the last thing that you want to let our listeners, our viewers know before we sign off
1: oh that's a tough one I think I'm just gonna give a message about positivity believing in yourself remembering that mindset um, I think that's so important uh, you know to keep keep yourselves going so yeah just remember to switch into that brain and and catch yourself if you're if you're putting barriers up that aren't really there
0: Wow I love it Susie told us to move, get out your own way. Stop putting up barriers that don't need to be there, that are imaginary, fake news. Susie, oh, it was an honor, a privilege, a pleasure, and such a joy to chop it up with you on the cold calling podcast Thank you so much. Oh, wishing you safe travels as you head to Saudi Arabia and uh, just keep impacting and shining. To all of our listeners, the Cold Calling Podcast. We'll see you next week on Wednesday, October 11th, one o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Pacific. Our next guest next week, it's a secret. We got a surprise for you. So you wanna make sure you don't miss it. Please tune in. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for supporting. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you connect with Susie as she drops the mic and mics and, oh, uh oh, more mics on us. Thank you so much. Oh, great mic. I love it. Thank you so much, Susie. We will see you on the flip side. Take care, y'all.